Hello and welcome to the I Am Guru Greg podcast with Jake Shapiro. I'm Greg Goodfriend. Hey guys, Jake Shapiro. Uh, we got Jake on the phone here, uh, recording this uh, Corona Pod. Uh, Saturday afternoon, late March. It's been uh, about two and a half weeks now with with no major live sports. Uh, I believe it's been 18 days since any NBA action, 17 days since any college basketball action. Uh, it's been rough. How you been holding in, Jake? I mean, it's been it's been hard. There's nothing to do. Can't watch sports. I mean, there's been some great reruns on NBA TV. You get to catch up on some stuff you might not have seen. But I don't know what to do without sports. How about you, Gray? Yeah, it's it's rough. I've I think I've I've gone through. Every highlight that I could find, I caught myself watching Kyle Korver highlights the other day. It was it was dark. It's dark stuff. Um, <laughs> I uh, um, I think it might be closer to four or five, but yeah, you know, something like that. Uh, just you know, so I watched some of that. Uh, the other day, I actually watched uh, a rerun of the uh, Lakers Nuggets Conference Finals Game Three. Uh, big game, big game from Trevor Ariza in that game. Forgot about that one. LA native. Exactly. Yeah. From Westchester high school, you know, he was pretty great prospect and then came back, played with the Lakers and then great year for Kobe that year. It's, it's fun to go back and watch some of that stuff, especially when we don't have anything else to watch, you know? Yeah. And he still brings some of that like tough LA basketball league. I remember that Trey Young incident where Trey Young put yeah, his legs and he checked them. I, I I thought that was kind of kind of bush league from Ariza. If you if you don't want that to happen, you know, don't don't let him nutmeg you. You know. Yeah, Trey, I'm just having fun out there. Gotta love that. That is that is your guy. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're an NBA player, how how do you how are you holding up through all this? Or like, you can't can't work out with anyone. It's hard to stay in shape. See, I think like there are those big time guys who have made some of their money places where they can afford like mansions and they have gyms and they can stay in shape but i'm worried what if i'm like a first year guy and i'm a rookie i have a condo maybe i can't go to my gym maybe i have bands and some dumbbells in the house or in the condo but i can't really do anything like that's got to be tough you're a young guy you can't work out with anybody you're isolated you're probably not living with anybody in a state that you're not from like that's got to be challenging it's it's got to be really hard it's i for some of these guys it might it might even feel like I kind of in a different way going to college again. It's like just kind of like a dorm room type of vibe, except you can't even see any any people. It's just the whole thing is just crazy. I mean, I, I've seen the the funny thing about it to me is I've seen more people walking in the street than in my entire life. Oh yeah, it's I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, and the only thing is like that's the only thing you can do. You can't go to parks. You can't really go out and shoot hoops. Not everything's because- closed. These guys have to be creative, and it's hard when you're 20 years old. Yeah, exactly. If you're like a, a Matisse Tybal and you're you're bored in your apartment in Philly, it's no, there's nothing you can do, really. Yeah, except make TikToks. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think uh, there's been – I you see a lot of these players who are bored. They're, they're trying to put out content as well and keep people entertained. I saw um, the other day Steph Curry and uh, Anthony Fauci, the – the CDC doctor who's been getting a lot of play. We're, we're on an Instagram live together on the NBA's account. Um, and then, you know, yesterday D Wade and Mello were on an Instagram live together, sipping some wine. Yeah. That was a great story about 
Uh, yeah, I mean the, the guy's literally Superman. He's made in a lab. Like I don't. It's it's he's ridiculous. Yeah. So what happened? They were on the boat. They went exploring, and Melo got caught in a current. And what did LeBron do again? Well, he jumped off the boat and then grabbed Melo and swam back to the boat with Melo in one hand and swimming with the other hand. I mean, it's like it it, it has to be made up. It doesn't even sound real. Yeah, there's no. Way. <laughs> Yeah. I guess that shows what type of person LeBron is, because that's impressive. Yeah, is is that a subtle dig at D Wade, really? I is that what that was? No, I mean I love D Wade. I would have done the exact same thing as he did. No way in hell I was going in the water. (laughs) Not a swimmer, huh, Jake? Not a swimmer. So also staying on the NBA, how do you think the level of play is gonna be when they come back? It's interesting. I mean, at this point with the case is still increasing rapidly in the U.S. I don't even know when we're going to come back. I'm really hoping for a June return date, and then the league will probably go through late August. Um, I I would think that uh, the players should be well-rested, but I think they're going to need at least you know five or six regular season games, like 10 days of playing, to get back into the group before playoffs, because I, I don't think you can just jump in and say, all right, guys, playoffs, let's go. Uh, like, it's it, that's not going to be good for the quality or for any of these teams who are real contenders. I agree. And so, do you think there gonna, there's going to be a period? So after it settles down, uh, Adam Silver's going to say, "You know what? You guys can practice as teams." Or do you think they're just going to go straight back into playing? You know, this is completely unforeseen territory. I we've never been here before. I'm I'd expect probably in June if the cases have been dying down for a while. Uh, it's I. I really don't even know because I don't know when fans are gonna feel safe being in the same building as fifteen thousand other people, twenty thousand other people. Um, and a lot of players have made it clear that that they're not gonna want to play and without fans in the building, and then it's not gonna be a good product for fans watching on TV. But um, let's say by June, uh, public meetings are okay and it's okay to have games. I think you'll probably see, um. Team practices for a week, and then a week and a half, maybe two weeks of regular season games, and then we'd start playoffs. And then you'd probably have a condensed first round, and then you'd go through the rest of the playoffs normally. And it would, if it's done by late August, then you're just going into the off season, and everything gets yeah. pushed back. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to fall in the footsteps of the Chinese Basketball Association. But then again, like you said, like LeBron's gone out and said that I don't want to play without fans, and I'm sure a lot of, like you said, a lot of players agree with him. So I think the NBA is in a harder spot since it just draws such a wide audience. Yeah, and then you also have to think uh, if if you are going to play the games without fans, is it is it really going to be worth it? Or like, are the players still going to want to play? Is it going to be the same product? And you're also losing hundreds of millions of dollars from from ticket revenue. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the the TV deals are are so crucial to the league's financial success. So it's it's hard to really just cancel the season. I don't know. I think I think the best case scenario for fans would be we come back in June, and then you have a little bit of play, and then you play you go through the playoffs, and then uh, the the next year just gets pushed back to late December for the start, and then the NBA just goes as normal, and then. If it, if the numbers do well the next season, then you just keep it, and you don't have to deal with competing with the NFL uh, through the entire first three months of the season, and it might be a win-win for the league. Yeah, I bet you – I think they'll also do a condensed season. 
season, maybe like 66 games. Yeah, that was the number from the lockout uh, from the 2012 year. So that that could be a possibility. Um, but I don't know. I'd, I'd really hope the league does a, an experimental season with just a regular 82-game schedule with everything pushed back a few months and, and see if they really do lose uh, TV revenue um, from the summer. Because without any real competition, I, I think that uh, it, would, it would help a lot uh, without having to compete with the NFL or, and any other sports, really. Yeah, I mean, imagine also imagine if everything does come back in in June, July here. Imagine the the amount of sporting events we'll get. We'll get uh, NHL playoffs, MLB season, uh, NBA pl- NBA playoffs, and then right when everything ends, the NFL season is just starting up. You have preseason right after the NBA playoffs is done, um, and then during yeah. the NFL season, you'd have the NBA draft and and NBA off season, and then it just it would be magnificent if everything works out that way. Yes, fully, fully agreed there. Um, yeah, and then speaking of the NFL, free agency has been completely wild. Uh, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you look at the major moves. Uh, Tom Brady signing with Tampa, finding a new home. We'll get to everything, obviously, but just to summarize, uh, Bill O'Brien with uh, possibly the most knuckleheaded trade in the history of the NFL, trading DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for David Johnson and second rounder. Yep. Move. Uh, the Panthers picking up Teddy Bridgewater. Solidifying the NFC South is the most difficult division in football. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm a defensive back in the NFC South, I I'm having nightmares thinking about my my opposing offenses. I mean, in New Orleans you have uh, Drew Brees, and then at receiver Michael Thomas, and the newly signed Emmanuel Sanders, and then Carolina you have uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and now a great Trio of young receivers and Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. And then Atlanta, you have uh, Matt Ryan, new addition Todd Gurley, Julio, Calvin Ridley. Uh, and then that's not even mentioning Tampa with Brady and throwing to Godwin and Evans and maybe a revitalized OJ Howard. I mean, that's possibly the most offensive firepower I've seen in any division recent in recent memory. Yeah, and the quarterback matchups that you're going to see is just going to be so fun to watch. I mean, Drew Brees and uh, Tom Brady twice a year is just that's what any NFL fan could ask for. Yeah, I mean we've been robbed of so many Brees Brees Brady Super Bowls recently. I I could not wait to see them face off two plus times a year. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Who else? What else have been some major pickups? That uh, you think are gonna shift the well, let's see. Season? Staying with quarterbacks, we got uh, Dak got tagged by Dallas. They're still working on a long term deal. If if you're Jerry Jones, how much money would you pay Dak? What do you think? Um, what was the deal that Dak declined? Was it four years, thirty million a year, or was it more? Than I think that? it was thirty-three. It was uh, the same number as the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz deals, but with more guaranteed. I think it was like four for one thirty-five with a hundred guaranteed. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'm get you need Dak. I think Dak's their guy. And I think it's so hard to find a good quarterback in today's league that can really lead you to the promised land. And I, so I, if I'm Jerry Jones, the highest I'd go is four one forty five. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in love with Dak. I don't think he's 
an elite quarterback, but at the same time, he's definitely above average and he's still young and probably improving. You know, he's got a new coach and new system. Um, so I, I think, I think he's got a bright future, certainly. So the Cowboys definitely need to re up with him. Uh, I mean, you already got him franchised, so he's definitely not leaving, but you want to make sure they don't have like a botched Kirk Cousins type of situation there, like what Washington did with the repeated franchise tags. And then he just walked. You definitely don't want that with Dak. So I think, um, Dak was actually kind of smart by declining that deal because with the new uh, collective bargaining agreement that just went into place uh, a couple weeks ago, I think Dak could be in line for even more money. Um, even if he plays this season under the franchise tag and then gets extended later, uh, just as long as he has a good year, that it'll be a really good situation for him. He might even get uh, four years, 150, 160 million if he, if he has a good year. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, Patrick Mahomes could be in line for an extension soon under the new CBA. So the, the money thrown around there could be, could be really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you saw the 49ers last year, granted they had an unbelievable defense, but I would not classify Jimmy Garoppolo as an elite quarterback and they got to the Super Bowl. They're one quarter away from being champs. So I think Dak is definitely at a level, especially with Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he has the tools to really make a push. Granted, the NFC is ridiculously challenging this year, but he has all the tools. Well, he does play in quite a weak division, though, is something to add. The NFC least, as it's been referred to for, for years now. Um, I mean, it, the Giants and Redskins are, are still kind of in rebuilding phase, I guess you could say. And then the Eagles seem like they're always just kind of mediocre ever since that Super Bowl season. So Carson Wentz can never stay healthy. Um, I mean, here, here's, here's one for you. Would you rather have Carson Wentz on your team or the, uh, newly extended Ryan Tannehill? Wow. Um, Tannehill. Just cause I'm riding the hot hand. He had a great playoff, had a great season before that. He hasn't been afraid to run the football, make smart plays with the ball. I agree. I mean, Ryan Tannehill had a, a basically transcendent second half of the season. I think he went eight and three as a starter and then. Won two big playoff games for Tennessee. I mean, I people a lot of people on on Twitter and in the media were saying that uh, that it was ridiculous how Derrick Henry got franchise tagged, but Ryan Tannehill gets this this huge extension. I mean, I I think if anything he he might have even gotten underpaid. I mean, the guy's basically a top ten quarterback, and he's only what twenty six, twenty seven years old. Yeah, uh, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see. I think uh, the Chiefs, who just won this year, followed the model of, of what a lot of teams have been trying to do recently with uh, trying to put as many pieces around a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Uh, I mean, the Eagles, even though Wentz got hurt when they won, they did it. Uh, the Rams got close with Goff on his rookie contract. Uh, they did it. You're, you're seeing it uh, more and more often. Like all these teams, they're their quarterbacks in their third year, and they're really trying to make a push because they can afford to pay these other guys. And then, once you have to give your quarterback that big money, it's hard to it's hard to really contend when you have weaknesses elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time that wait was it the Eagles where they didn't have like a trans- transcendent skill player? Uh, you're saying a couple years ago, like the last time a team didn't have a great running back or receiver. 
I mean, some of those Patriots teams, I think Julian Edelman's great. Obviously, he won a Super Bowl MVP, but I, I wouldn't call him transcendent. I mean, that, that Super Bowl against the Rams, they, they kind of just coasted off of Brady. <laughs> that was that was awful. Um, I remember, uh, and then the the first game of of this last season, the uh, Bears Packers game. I believe the score was like thirteen to to three, or oh, yeah, something like that. Terrible. We had like two thirteen to three games in a row, and it was just like, what has football become? And then obviously the NFL went back to its new high scoring status quo. Yeah, I mean, he was special this year. Would you rather have him or Mahomes going forward? Mahomes, just because durability. I mean, I know Mahomes got hurt this year, but I feel like there's just such a higher risk of injury with a running quarterback. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we, we've never seen a quarterback run 200 times a season the way we're seeing with Lamar. But aside from durability, I think I'd, I'd rather just have Mahomes in general. I mean, Lamar has, still hasn't proven that he can get it done in the playoffs. Obviously, he's... He's only like 22 years old, but I, I really think that Patrick Mahomes is without a doubt the greatest football player walking the earth and has the potential to be looked at as the most talented quarterback of all time. I agree. He's just, I mean, the way he can fling that football and put it right on the money is unbelievable. It, it almost feels like he's Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre all into one player. That That's bold to say, but it's... I see so many qualities of those three all in him. He's just so unbelievable. And the Chiefs have done a great job putting with people that can show his skill case. I mean, Hardman, who's super fast. Tyreek Hill, extremely fast. And then Travis Kelsey's a big target. I mean, he just has all the tools to show what he can do. Yeah, and uh, they also just signed uh, – they re-signed to Marcus Robinson today. I mean, they got they got a lot of guys. They don't even have a real running back. I – uh I, I'm seeing a lot of people saying that they might take uh, DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor in the draft. What do you think about that? I mean, I'm a Georgia fan, so DeAndre Swift obviously has been great, and I think he'd be a great tool uh, for the Chiefs, especially since he is very fast and can get outside, so they can utilize him in with like swings, screens, and outside zone plays. But I think Jonathan Taylor is more what they need. Just a guy who you can give it to, you know you're getting four or five yards, strong, capable of making a big play, but he's, I think he's safer than Swift. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I think they're both great prospects. Um, but at the same time, even though they do kind of have a need at running back, Damian Williams is good, but not great. Um, you see all these teams and all, all these running backs. Like, is it really even worth a, a first-round pick on a running back anymore? I mean, I don't think so, especially if you're the Chiefs when you have so much firepower in the passing game kind of coasting in the running back department. I really don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, un- unless you have one of these, like, guaranteed all-pro guys, like a, a Saquon Barkley or an Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I-, I think uh, it's better to just wait because you can get these these really good playmakers in the third and fourth rounds and you don't have to pay them as much. And it's you can get a better player to fill another need closer to the top of the draft. Um I think as fun as it would be to have uh, an elite rookie running back on the Chiefs, I just don't think it would be smart for them to do that. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so back to free agency. Uh, Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, both currently uh, jobless. Uh, what do you see happening there? I don't know. I mean, 
I know Cam's hungry as he's been showing on social media, and I'm sure Jameis is hungry. I mean, I feel like if they were willing to take less money for a season, just as like a, a screw, screw you, Carolina, and screw you, Tampa Bay, I'm going to show you what you're missing out on. I think they'd have a great year. I, I really want to see them land a starting job this season. Yeah, me too. I mean, for those who don't know, I am uh, quite a big Jameis Winston believer. Uh, I I do think he gets way too much hate, and I think he's an unbelievable playmaker. And if if he had gotten that second year in that Bruce Arian system, I, I think he would have been able to dial back the turnovers, and I think he would have been truly great. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I mean, the only the only teams left with with QB needs you have. Cincinnati, who's basically a lock to take Joe Burrow, and then Miami, the Chargers, and New England. And Miami and, and uh, L.A. both have top picks. You're, a lot of people are expecting Tua and Justin Herbert to go to those teams respectively, and then New England hardly has any cap space. So unless uh, Jameis or Cam signs with New England on a, a very small deal or the Chargers pivot and, and uh, end up signing Cam or Jameis, it's, I don't, I don't see a path for uh, both these guys to be starters this year. Yeah, and eventually, I'm sure at least one of them will get their shot this year because we know it's the NFL. Stuff happens, people get hurt. So I definitely expect to see at least one of them this season, and I'm interested to see how they do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as as good as a coach as, as Bill Belichick is, I, I don't know that they can really go through a full season with, with Jarrett Stidham or possibly Brian Hoyers or starting quarterback. I just don't see it. I think whether they end up uh, surprising people in drafting a quarterback who ends up getting the starting job or they, they do sign Cam or Jameis by convincing them to come on a minimum deal, I think I think that would be a more realistic path. Um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Cam Newton Chargers rumors. I, I don't see it. They're already They're already paying Tyrod Taylor a pretty decent amount of money whether he's a starter or a backup at uh, about seven or eight million, and then with a top six pick, I I think they'll they're as likely as anyone to take Justin Herbert or Tua or whoever falls to them. And I mean, I think the quarterback who takes the biggest hit with this whole coronavirus um, situation is Tua because he had that injury, and obviously if everything was normal, he'd be able to go get checked out. But he can't really. He doesn't have the ability for people to come see him throw and people to come see how he is in person. So that could leave some doubt with GMs. Yeah, that's it's a great point you make there. I mean that that whatever it was fractured hip. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, a lot of questions about his mobility. I I've heard a lot of reports that he's fine, but it's with with a young guy. It's it's hard to tell. It's like if you can't get a physical, do you really want to risk your whole franchise with a guy that you don't really know what is what his health situation is. Um, The draft will be a lot of fun this year. I mean, I think especially with the the lack of live sports right now, you might see complete record viewership uh, for this draft in late April. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the most sports we've had on TV in a while, so I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I I can't wait for the NFL to to make a big spectacle out of it. I mean, I, I think it's... It'll be difficult, especially once you get to the. Uh, I mean, the later rounds. I think it'll be it'll be easier for GMs because at that point you're not really meeting with all these prospects or bringing them in for workouts. It's just a lot of what you've seen on film and filling needs and just listening to what your scouts have seen throughout the college season. 
But at the top of the draft, if you can't uh, get a workout with a guy or an interview, it's it's really difficult to to bet your franchise on one of these guys. Yeah, because I mean anybody could seem very smart and like a good person over like FaceTime or Zoom, but once you meet someone a few times and like you really get to know them, that's when it's that's when you really get a feel on what type of person they are. So there's a lot of trust with like who like college coaches and agents it's just going to be it's really interesting the whole dynamic is completely shifted yeah i mean i i i can't even imagine what it's like to conduct a, a virtual draft interview with with one of these guys um yeah and then uh i i'd, I'd be curious to see what uh what my giants do um with the fourth pick i mean uh we're not we're not in the market for a quarterback. I'm really hoping we take Isaiah Simmons, uh, star linebacker from Clemson. I think that'll be awesome for us. That would improve that defense. I mean, it's I mean, obviously the Cowboys are the early favorites, but I think that's anyone's division, especially if you get a good year from Daniel Jones. Yeah, and it's then just, the new signing of James Bradbury on the defense is going to help a lot. That secondary hasn't been good for us in about four years. Would be huge. And then you get a, a full healthy year from Saquon with a new good coach, hopefully, and Joe Judge. I, I think things are finally looking up for the Giants, but at the same time, I feel like I've said that three, four years in a row, so it's hard to tell. I mean, this is the year because the NFC East is such a such a crap show. Yeah, I mean, you you could say it with a lot of these teams. I think uh, Arizona and Buffalo are are two teams that could get a lot of buzz. They might be very exciting with their their new. Uh, star receivers in addition to all their other offensive weapons. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's poised for, they have all the tools for a breakout year. It's just they are, I mean, outside the NFC South, I think that's another extremely challenging division. Yeah, and the West has been West. been really tough the last couple of years. You know, Seattle's definitely not going to go away. San Francisco is probably just entering a, a dominant run for years to come. Uh, unless something happens, like what happened with the Rams happens to them, but I don't really see that. I think they're they're run a lot better. Um, but I mean, between the Rams also possibly having a good year, it it almost seems like they're going back into a rebuild. They're losing so many of their top guys. Yeah, that's an in- that's an interesting point. I haven't really thought of that. Um, I mean, they still are paying Goff a lot of money. Um, who's their running back this year? Um, you know, they, they got, uh, I guess Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown or whoever they draft or sign. Uh, I mean, again, we've seen it from a lot of teams. It's not like crucial that you pay a running back or have a big name running back, but it it definitely helps to have proven weapons and they don't really have one back there. And then also you see Brandon Cooks trade rumors. Um, and then some injuries, some injury concerns with Cooper cup only you're removed from that ACL. It's, they're, they're going to have some work to do. I, I have a hard time seeing them finish better than third in their division. Yeah, I mean, especially with just now that the Cardinals are a legit force in the NFL and their offense is just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, with, with Kyler and Kenyon Drake and then Hopkins, Larry Fitz, and a new, like, bolstered offensive line, Kingsbury, I think, is a great coach, and I think a lot of people give him too much hate. I think they could be a really exciting team. Yeah, I mean, it almost happened last year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we get two wild cards from the NFC West. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, it might not kick. I'm pretty sure it doesn't kick in until next year. But uh, with the NFL now having possibly three wild card teams from each conference, uh, it, it'll be interesting if uh, in 2021 we see uh, a division send uh, all four teams to the playoffs. I, I doubt that it ever happened, but you know anything's possible in the NFL now. I guess. Yeah, well, uh, that about wraps it up for this uh, NFL free agency slash uh, trade frenzy conversation. Uh, we'll have some more in the future on that. And uh, Jake, it was it was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. See you next time.